The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 15. Would you go there with me in the Word of God? We need to hasten, so let's go there. And would you stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word way up in the balcony? Good morning. If you fall asleep up there, I won't be able to tell. But if you're a deep sleeper, you might just tumble and land down in the middle of the aisle. I will be able to tell. Stay with us. I hope that God speaks to you in such a way that wherever you are, you feel like you're the only person in this auditorium. Somewhere in the sermon, I need to disappear. And I pray you see him. Luke chapter 15. Verse 25, now his elder son was in the field and he came and drew nigh to the house. He heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, thy brother is come. Thy father had killed the fatted calf because he had received him safe and sound. He was angry, would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered, said, answering said to his father, lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time by commandment. Yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, but this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Do you believe the Bible? Would you say amen? amen? Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Do what you do. Watch over my wife, my family while I'm gone. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. If I were to title Luke chapter 15, I'd probably title it, with the words with which the chapter ends. Lost and found. Lost and found. Well, we find out about the lost sheep in the first part of the chapter. One sheep gets lost out of a hundred and the shepherd is leaving the 99 to go find that one sheep. And by the way, aren't you glad that we serve a God that's so big that he can make the world in six days, but so loving that he cares about every single person? What a God. <laughs> Thank God that the lost sheep was found. Later in the chapter, we learn about the lost silver. Yeah, there are 10 pieces of silver and the lady loses one piece of silver. She's willing to sweep the whole house and search diligently for that one piece of silver. Once again, the value of one that God cares about you. We're sitting in a big crowd this morning from bottom all the way to top and multiple people from multiple different places of all kinds of backgrounds and nationalities and pigmentation and speak different languages and different financial uh, ec economic background. But here you are today. You're in the presence of a God that knows you, that cares about you, that has a plan for you. You're one person, just a number to the world, but you're somebody to God. The lost sheep, the lost silver was found. And, and then the lost son, the prodigal. We've heard this story. 
Father, give me the portion that's mine that I may go and do what I want to do. His father gives it to him and he goes out and wastes his substance and rides his living, living the party life, spends up all his money, has a bunch of friends when he's got money, they drop them when it's gone. You're going to learn that real quickly. They love you when you got it and they'll drop you when you don't. Bye-bye. He's out there. He thought it was better. <laughs> it's amazing how greener the grass looks on the other side. Yeah, but you still got to mow it. And he finds out the hard way. There's no place like home. Maybe today you're wandering away from home. Maybe today that you think that it's better not serving God. You think that living your own way and the freedom of your own choices would bring more joy and contentment than living according to the word of God. Don't go out there and find out like this guy did. Let me tell you something. There is no place like, what do you mean home? I'm talking about where you belong, in the center of God's will, living for God, walking with God, talking with God, meeting him every morning, enjoying his presence, winning people to the Lord, yielding to the Holy Ghost of God. I'm talking about falling in love with Jesus and, 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 and opening your eyes and beholding wondrous things out of his law. Listen to me. There is no safer place, no sweeter place, no sounder place, no more satisfying place than in the center of God's will. Many have tried to find out otherwise. There's nobody that's ever found out any different than what I said. The best place is the will of God. And that lost son was found. But, you know, I get to the end of the chapter and I think the lost sheep, the lost silver, the lost son, they all were lost and were found. But the last part of the passage tells us about someone lost and never got found. That's the lost sibling. You think, you mean he was lost? I mean, I, I don't, he didn't leave the house. He didn't get misplaced. He, he wasn't unable to locate. No, no, he was home. What do you mean he was lost? I'm going to tell you something. He was probably further from the father at home than the brother was that was gone. In the house. Never left, never ran away, never demanded anything, but he was as cold, as distant, as gone, and as removed as removed could be. He probably better represents what could exist in this crowd than his brother did. See, you're here today, you're in Bible college. You, you, you're present and accounted for. You're at Pensacola Christian School. You're, you're, you're at a place that, that stands on the principles of the Word of God. You're at a place where you're going to get chapel several times a week. You're going to go to church. You're going to get teachers that love the Lord. You're going to get the Bible infiltrated into every subject that you study. You're going to have rules and regulations that will not only isolate you from the things of God, but uh, from the world, but they will insulate you from the things that, that can come into your life. You're going to have the joy of getting God served to you on a platter every single day and yet being right here in Pensacola Christian College it is possible and for some of you it's actual that you are far from God right here lost I'm not even saying unsaved I'm just saying out of your way I look at this passage of scripture and very quickly I, I, I see this lost sibling and he's struggling with a syndrome that I think many in Christian school, the hardest group of individuals for me to preach to, unfortunately, is Christian school. They've already heard it. They sometimes are spoiled. They, they're, they're not impressed. They've seen God since they've been young. They've, they've, they've heard all of these messages and they just tell me, you know, truth of the matter is just hurry up and get through. I got to get to class. I got a lot to do. Hurry up and finish so I can get out. See, see 
see, there becomes an apathy inside of that kind of crowd that sometimes is hard to connect with. Here's what this fellow struggled with, and here's what many of you may be struggling with today. Here's the syndrome. Let me give it to you. He didn't realize how good he had it. I want to challenge you in that area. He was lost. He didn't realize how good he had it. He, 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 he thought that, that somebody had it better. He thought that he was missing something. He thought that there was something better for him than what he had. He didn't appreciate what he had. His brother left home. He stayed home. His brother went away from home. He was still in the house. But even though he was there every day, he didn't realize how good the house was. I hope that when I leave and head back home on Thursday, that some men and women, boys and girls, don't need something more, don't need something extra, aren't looking for something that they've never experienced before, but they will awaken to the reality. What I have in Jesus is so good, so grand, so great, so gracious that I'm grateful for. Listen to me. There's nothing that the world can offer you that's better than what you have in Christ. How do I know if I have this syndrome? Very quickly. We'll give you three symptoms this morning. Let's see if you're struggling with the syndrome. You don't realize how good you have it. Number one, pronounced bitterness. Pronounced bitterness. Look at the text, would you? <laughs> Here comes the younger son back. He's been gone. I mean, messed up out there. He was messed up out there. He didn't have any shoes on. I mean, his clothes had a stench on them. He wasted all his money. He was out there longing to eat with the hogs. And he comes home. Watch the pronounced bitterness in his brother. 26, he says, and he called one of the servants and asked, what do these things mean? I mean, he's got what I call jumpy arrogance. He's using his name over and over again. I, 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 me, 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 me. You never did this for me, daddy. You never did this for me. I have been there all these years. I kept your commandments. You never gave me. It's, it's arrogance. He's got a jealous attitude. He's looking at what others have and saying, why don't I have? Why don't you celebrate me? Why don't you throw a party for me? Why don't you make a big deal about me? I remember growing up in a Christian home, and I tell you, I got saved at four, and it didn't seem like the church made a real big hoopla, hoopla about me getting saved, but, but when somebody got saved off the streets, or he was saved out of gang life, or somebody that grew up drinking or smoking or partying. It seemed like everybody erupted because this person was saved out of a wicked life. And, and I kind of could feel myself saying, well, why don't they celebrate me? I guess since I got saved so early and I didn't drink and I didn't smoke and I didn't chew and I didn't run with those that do, I guess I don't get any celebration. And sometimes if you're not careful, you'll start going, why aren't they doing for me like they do for other people? Why am I, why am I not lifted up in church? Why am I not recognized? Why am I not noticed? Watch it now you're struggling with the syndrome. Judgmental assertions. What do you mean he's judgmental? He says, as soon as this thy son was come, verse 30, how are you talking about your brother by telling his dad, your son? That's judgmental. See, see, when you got this syndrome, you start looking at people like they're less than you are. Look at him. Hey, hey, daddy, that's your son. Not my brother. That's your son. See, once he went out there and acted a fool, he doesn't belong to me. 
I don't associate with him. I don't identify with him. Hey, hey, be careful that you don't get sitting here in a Christian school because you got all this Bible around you and you got all these Bible classes and you're close to getting a degree that says you actually know the Bible, that you don't become a Pharisee thinking you're better than some. You're not better because you know more Bible. You're not better because the church you came from. You're not better because of how much money your family has. You're not better because you're white or better because you're black or better because you're from another country and people aren't less than you because they talk with an accent, they look different than you or they don't wear as nice clothes as you. Let me tell you something. We were all condemned to hell. We were all created from the dust of the ground. Were it not for the grace of God, we'd all be lost and on our way without God or his son. If there's anything good in you, it ain't you. It's the God in you. We are what we are by the grace of God. See, when you struggle with, you know, you don't realize how good you have. You start looking down on people. Pronounce bitterness. Secondly, practical blindness. Then you can't see what you really should see. What are you complaining about, man? Well, they don't throw a party for me. They don't clap for me. They don't recognize me. I've never been on the platform to pray. They didn't clap when they announced my name. Well, you're so upset about what you don't have, you can't appreciate what you do. You have a practical blindness to your blessings. What was he practically blind to? Number one, his endearing position. You're complaining. Why don't they do for, my, do for me like they do for my brother? Why aren't they having a party for me? Party for the brother that came home. How about party for the brother that never left? Well, well, man, you forget your endearing position. You're blinded to it. Notice what his father said to him after he gave that long rant. Verse number 31. And he said unto him, son, what's your problem, man? Have you forgotten who you are? You, you, you're worried about a calf. You're worried about a party. You're worried about having a bunch of friends. On. You forget how good you are. You have a position where I call you son. Can I ask you a question? The next iPhone that comes out, the best job on the market, the prettiest girl on campus, the recognition from the platform. Listen, a raise on your job, another day off of school, an extra pack of gummy bears from the president. Is that better than the fact that the king of kings and the lord of lords, when he looks at you, he calls you son. Behold, what man of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. It does not appear what we shall be, but we know when we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him, did them have any power to become the sons of God, even in them that believe on his name. I'll tell you what makes me happy today, that the God who put the stars in place, and the moon in space, and the sun hanging on nothing, that it never falls down. The God who took from the dust of the ground, and formed man, and breathed in the man's nostrils, the breath of life, the all-powerful, omnipotent, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent, everywhere at the same time. The immutable, unchangeable, the eternal was, is, and is, and only God. That God doesn't call me just some, some figment of his imagination, doesn't call me some stranger, doesn't call me some foreigner, doesn't call me some distant person from her. He, from him. He calls me son. Next time you complain, remember your endearing position. Remember your in, his enduring presence. Thou art ever with me, verse number 31. What are you complaining about? Why didn't you throw me a party? You get to be here every day. The next time you're mad because somebody that's away from God gets celebrated more than you do, you ought to celebrate the fact you get to be with God every day. And the extended possessions. Notice verse number 31. All that I have is thine. You're mad about a party, buddy. You get the whole house every day. All that I have is not. Pronounce bitterness, practical blindness, lastly, precluded blessedness. You don't realize how good you have it. You miss out on joy. 
Verse 32, it was reasonable excitement. Look at verse 32. It was meat that we should make merry. <laughs> Look here, please, just a moment. You know what his father's saying? You know, we should throw a party. It was me. It was appropriate. It was suitable. It was fit. We should be celebrating the return of your brother. And by the way, when somebody that is away from God comes back to God, we should celebrate it. Can I get an amen? Reasonable excitement. Verse 32. It's a remarkable experience. This thy brother was dead and is alive and was lost and is found. Hey, look, buddy, I don't know what's wrong with you, but somebody being dead and being alive again, that's remarkable. Somebody being away from God and coming back to God, that's remarkable. Somebody being lost at the beginning of service and getting saved at the end of service, that's remarkable. Some guy that was once going to go off and do something else, but now God called him to preach. He's in Bible college. That's remarkable. Some kid that used to quit, that quit church and now is back in church, that's remarkable. Listen, when you struggle with this, you don't realize how good you have it syndrome. Big, good, wonderful stuff is happening, and you can't even see it. Notice the refused engagement. I'm almost done. 28. Here's the position of this fellow. He would not go in. All right, if you got free arms today, put them like this. Come on. Everybody put your arms like this. Here's this guy. Leaning back. I ain't going in. I got to hurry. Uh, Let me tell you what he refused to go into. A party. Now, come on now. Young people love parties. This guy's outside the party. I ain't going in. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on in the party. But let me tell you what stands out in my mind that was going on in the party. A fatted calf. Some of y'all ain't catching that old English. I am. (laughs) Luke called it a fatted calf. You know what I call it? A ribeye. There's a ribeye in the house. There's a ribeye in the house. No, 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 listen to me. Somebody said, you ever consider being a vegetarian? It's healthier. Yeah, it may be healthier. You may live from good life, but you'll die of depression. All right, you got to have meat. I'm a meat man. It ain't a meal if it doesn't have meat. You say we have continental breakfast. What's that? Breakfast eaten on some continent. You better have some meat, some ham, some sauces, some bacon. And I want some real sausage, not turkey bacon. Turkey bacon doesn't even get crispy. I'm, uh, listen, my favorite cut of steak is ribeye. I love ribeye. I like eating ribeye out, but I like cooking ribeye. I know how to season up a ribeye. I get my season oil. I get my accent. I get my onion powder. I may put a little garlic powder. I put some Montreal steak seasoning. See, oh yeah, that really does it. I season it a day before. And, and then the day I'm going to cook it, I take it and I let it sit out for a little while because red meat is best cooked at room temperature. If you don't have a grill, you can't afford one. It's too cold to cook outside at that time. You don't need a grill. You just need a cast iron skillet. Somebody say amen. You say, I don't know what cast iron is. Cast iron is that big black skillet that black women would bust your head with when you got on their nerves. That's what cast iron skillet is. You can find them at Cracker Barrel. You can find them at Jace. Just Google cast iron skillet. They come seasoned and oiled. Set it out. Preheat your oven to 350. We don't need a grill. We got cast iron skillet and an oven. You got your steak out early. It's now at room temperature. Now you're going to take your cast iron skillet. You're going to put it on the stove. You're going to put the stove on medium. I have a, I have a gas stove, but you can have electric. So put it on medium. Then if you put the stove on medium, you're going to take that cast iron skillet and you're going to spray it with something. I mean, if you're trying to be healthy, you can spray it with Pam. You can use olive oil, grape seed oil. If you're trying to just be happy, put some butter on there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Somebody said, 
Butter? I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, they even have a product in the store called I Can't Believe It's Not Butter. Hey, let me see. Let me solve the problem. Taste it. You'll know it's not butter. All right? <laughs> There's nothing in the world that tastes like butter except can I get a witness? So, so you put the butter on the, on the pot. On the, cat, on the cast iron skillet, you got the steak there. All right, now you're going to take the steak. It's marinated in the seasonings. It's now down to room temperature. It's a ribeye. Ribeye's got some fat on it. The fat, the flavor is in the fat. I was reading Leviticus this morning. It just helped me preach. It said, the fat belonged to the Lord. I said, booyah. All right, so, so even God agrees with me. So you take that steak and you drop it on that skillet after it's been heated up to medium. All right, when it drops, you're going to hear this sound. What is that? That's the Holy Ghost at work. Amen. Okay. You're going to sear that ribeye on one side for two minutes, and then you're going to flip it over and do the same thing for two minutes. You're locking the juices in the steak. Somebody looks in the skillet and he goes, I don't see a bunch of juice in the skillet. That's a good thing. If it's in the skillet, it ain't in the steak. All right. You want it in the steak. You then take it after two minutes on each side, put it in the oven for about seven or eight minutes. You say, why seven or eight minutes? You got to cook it medium. Look, you can eat it rare. You can eat it medium rare. You can eat it medium. You can eat it medium well. If you want your steak well done, eat chicken, okay? <laughs> At that point, it's leather. You don't eat steak well done. You pull it out after you cook it about medium, all right? You're going to eat something on the side. I suggest something starchy. Don't get asparagus or some foolishness like that. Get you some mashed potatoes or some rice or something that's going to help you enjoy the Lord, amen? And, and then you take that steak and you, you pull it out. Take your fork in your left hand. Take your knife in your right hand. Cut off a piece of meat with some fat connected to it. Somebody say amen. And then when do take that fork shift it to your right hand put it down into the steak and then take that piece of meat and put it in your mouth and then allow that cow that died for for a good cause amen allow it now to circumnavigate its way through every palate in your mouth thereby removing all of the seasonings that have been so notably deposited into that piece of meat and by the grace of God do not do it while you're next to the woman that gave birth to you who is known as your mother because if you eat that piece of meat next to her it will make you slap your mama you know what I'm saying say <laughs> so, preacher what are you talking about here's what I'm saying there's steak in the house and here's this fellow I ain't going in hey here's the best way to know whether or not you got I don't realize how good I have it son there's good stuff going on in the Pensacola Christian College campus right now, this week. If you've got your arms crossed, either physically or in your spirit, you won't sing during the hymns. You won't listen during the message. You won't even consider responding during the invitation. You won't let God speak to you. The best thing going on in town is that Jesus is on this campus. And if you've got your arms crossed, refusing to go into something you know you actually enjoy, you got the syndrome. And you don't realize how good you have it. Well, I wish I was at another school. I wish we didn't have all these rules. I wish I didn't have to go to opening convocation. I wish I got that scholarship to go to that school I want to. Listen, you better be glad you're in a place where without the threat of legal ramification, the word of God is served to you every single day. There's a whole generation out there that's 
dying to have what you don't even appreciate. Somebody, the best thing you can get out of convocation is to go back to your room, hit your knees and say, God, forgive me. Thank you for what I have. Maybe you're lost today. But by the grace of God, you can be found. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.